You're listening to Underestimated. Real stories from real women. Discussing how they've overcome everyday hurdles and rose above. We will not be underestimated. For my first time listeners, I started this podcast with the idea to create a children's book series that empowers girls. And I quickly realized that there are many more real life stories from women I know that I could take and repurpose for my children's book series. So I created this podcast, interviewing strong women and hearing about their experiences of overcoming hurdles. You'll even hear a brainstorming session at the end of every episode where we work to plan out how we can translate their experiences into a children's book. I'm really excited to be speaking with Sarah Lindstrom today. Sarah is a young entrepreneur who started her own photography business a few years ago, but has been in photography for over a decade since she was in high school. So she has wisdom beyond her years, I believe, simply from starting at such a young age with a passion that uh, she now turned into a business. I think any of you that are trying to get a new business off the ground, you're really going to enjoy this episode. So one of the things you're going to hear a lot from me is a couple of times whenever I make mistakes in going through this journey of creating a podcast and a children's book series. So Uh, This interview is my first interview trying out a new mic and little did I know that I needed to check the bit rate out on my computer. So you'll notice that my voice throughout this interview does not sound like me at all, but at least you can still hear the interview and I didn't have to re-record it. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, Okay. So what's your Instagram handle in case people want to start looking while we're talking? (laughs) Yeah. My Instagram is Sarah, S-A-R-A-H underscore E underscore photo. So Sarah E photography is my business name, but my website and Instagram are both Sarah E photo. I, I love your, um, I love looking and following your Instagram because it's, (laughs) I really love your style. It's, you find a way to capture those little moments in between shots, I feel like, in between poses. Oh, and yeah. I, I think that is truly a talent and hard to accomplish. And well, thank you. I try my best. Those are like, I feel like what actually tell the story the most are just those little in-between moments. I try to take out my voice from the photo as much as possible and make sure that the couple's voice is being like seen and heard in the photo. Um, so that's where those like in-between moments really come into play, I feel like. And they're my favorite. <laughs> yeah, there's just so many of them. I just love them. Just yeah. seeing people be their true selves. Yeah. So I know that I've um, sent you a little pre-interview form that explains what I'm doing, but I just to refresh, mm-hmm. I am starting a children's book series for women and well, not women for little girls. <laughs> they'll be women. To, get yeah, they'll be women just to encourage them to go after what they really want to do and to not let social norms um, hinder them and to understand that they're going to be coming across challenges and things that they're going to have to overcome and to keep on going and trekking through. So uh, the character's name is Ruthie and then Chloe, my dog makes an appearance. Aww. And I started interviewing um, all of these amazing women in my life because I can only rely on so many of my own experiences. And I think hearing experiences from other women 
helps add some more diversity to Ruby's yeah. character. So every book is going so to awesome. be based on an interview. That's so cool. I love that so much. I feel like little girls definitely need that encouragement, especially nowadays with social media constantly inundating them with, this is who you need to be. This is what you need to look like. This is what you need to be doing 24-7. And I feel like I already feel that pressure enough as an adult woman. And I can't imagine growing up in that kind of influence and understanding. So I think that's so awesome. I couldn't imagine. I mean, gosh, I don't think I was, I was a freshman in college before I got, well, no, I had a MySpace, maybe my, the end of my senior year in high school, but thank God I didn't, we didn't have to grow up. (laughs) And Stephen, my fiance and I are like seven years apart. So we do have a different difference growing up with social media and things because like six and a half year gap makes a big difference in the development of all that stuff. And so things that I grew up, I guess grew up with more college and high school kind of time that were more important to me at that time, definitely weren't to him. And just seeing that, Mm -hmm. I don't know how quickly everything can change in that short amount of time. When you really look at like five to six years, that doesn't seem like very long, but how much has changed social media wise and stuff and how it influenced their daily lives. It's amazing to think like his childhood was very different in that regard. Very different. Our birthdays are only like a week off. And I think he's, am I a week older than him? I think I'm a week older than him. (laughs) Just lately. He's he's like, I feel like I'm getting older every day now. (laughs) Especially we've been working out a lot. And he's like, I'm sore in places I shouldn't be sore anymore. Uh, That's the thing that I have not been working out since quarantine. And I I just had this thing where I don't want to work out in my apartment. That's I fair. I totally, people were asking like, how are you staying motivated to work out? I'm like, it's because I was working out at home before quarantine hit. So it's no different to me now. If I yeah. was trying to motivate myself to move from the couch to do some yoga or something, I'd be like, heck no, I'm sitting here watching TV. Yeah. I totally understand. I. You've been working on developing that routine for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was already ingrained before all this kind of hit. So it yeah. wasn't too big of an adjustment. Yeah. I didn't realize that you and Steven had that uh, much of an age gap. I just, I feel like you're kind of a rock star and. uh... Well, thank you. Yeah. He was like, I would have never known your age if you wouldn't have told me. I would just think you're about my age and expected, you know, that. Well, I think it's been, I've always kind of dated older people I think just gravitated towards that but yeah he was shocked when I told him my age he's like what okay well cool whatever (laughs) yeah I think um I think because you have the discipline to run your own business and still work out for out at home and all of that just paints you like you certainly look young (laughs) but I never like everything I know about you I was like yeah had no idea that you guys were seven years apart yeah crazy but yeah I my parents are nine days apart so they have quite the opposite like wow difference there do they just do a joint birthday every year no they don't they should that's a good idea but my mom is older than my dad so my dad always gives her crap for that and it's like well um, you know I'm at least I'm not the oldest one in the house and things like that I just think it's fun (laughs) always poking fun at one another I feel like I would be like well that just makes me the boss (laughs) yeah exactly like well thank you I'm the I'm the big one here 
Right. <laughs> All right. So let's dive in a little bit. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, this podcast is about overcoming hurdles. So can you think of a time that either in your career, or your personal life, some stories that you've had to reach deep and overcome struggles to start your business, to do what, you know, hit, hit yeah, your goals? For sure. I think, so coming out of college, I was trying to move to Austin for a relationship. Um, so I was just applying to any and every job I could. And one of the big things I found when applying for jobs was that everything I was applying for like even though it was entry level you needed like 80 years of experience and all these criteria and I was like what the heck for a 35 45k I'm not even making enough to like pay my bills like honestly my salary was so small going into Austin I was like here we go like I'm gonna live on ramen and peanut butter toast for the rest of my life because this is how it's gonna be but after finding a job in Austin um it took me probably two months to realize like this was not going to work out. Um, I kept trying to give it the time that it deserved. I kept telling myself, you know, like everything takes time when you're starting a new project, when you're entering into a new season, like you need to give something some time to settle in and see for sure. Cause I think the overall shock of living in a new city and having just to overcome that and having to deal with traffic and all those kind of things and just a new routine and, new lifestyle where you go from having all your friends down the street to like you're completely alone in this big city was already like okay gotta give it some time to make sure that my idea of this job is not being influenced by my by me like not necessarily liking you know the overall Mm -hmm. new environment that I'm being thrown into but yeah I definitely had overcome a whole lot of challenges at that job my boss was pretty much bipolar like I that's the only way I can really describe them um but it was very toxic and I had just left a very toxic relationship, which is a total different story and different hurdle altogether. But um, I was essentially told that nothing ever I did was good enough. Like no matter how hard I tried or if I did it exactly as I was asked, it was still something was wrong with it. And what and, were you doing there? So wasn't it a design for, or an yeah, interior so design? I worked at a sports nutrition company. Oh, okay. Uh, Why did I think interior design? <laughs> It was, there's an interior design, like right around the corner. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't have interior design skill. I wish I had that arena. Um, But yeah, so I was working for a sports nutrition company in their marketing department. Um, Health and wellness is something that's super important to me. So I just figured, okay, well, let me go into that arena and see kind of where I can grow from there. Um, The company overall is incredible. Like I have still have friends from working there and whatnot. And I really love their values and their, you know, they give you stipends to have gym memberships and to eat healthy and things like that. And I really value your overall well-being, which I loved. And um, so, yeah, so I was just working as like a marketing assistant and mm-hmm. essentially that was a nice cover up for you are the errand runner um, type near the bottom of the barrel. (laughs) Yeah. Sit at this desk and answer some phone calls. And I was unloading the dishwasher and like cleaning the kitchen before I left for work and like things that were not in the job description that I was expecting to have to do, but went with it anyway. Um, That's really frustrating. Like I understand that um, in any industry you have to pay your dues. Um, but when you're coming out of school with a college degree and then you take a specific role, not a front desk role, yeah. and you have these expectations and now you're doing all of this. 
Yeah, that was, it was very frustrating to me that I felt like a lot of the things that the people around me were doing that I could definitely do and had the degree to do them, like the, um, maybe not quite the same talents that they had, but over time and practice could definitely have figured a lot of those things out. And as someone who is constantly reaching for more and like wanting to learn and keep growing and constantly keep evolving, just sitting at a desk stalled out of like, I'm just going to sit here all day, not make any progress on anything and just do whatever this person tells me to do was really hard for me to, to swallow when I, you know, like you said, I was expecting to go in for one thing and came out doing something completely different. Um, but yeah, my boss definitely made it difficult for me to succeed at anything I was doing. I mean, there are days where I was cursed out. She threw, I was trying not to use she or he, but she threw a computer one day and just things, everyone around the computer. Yeah. Like she got so frustrated at this Excel class we were taking and just like literally threw her computer across the table. Like it, nothing broke or anything, but she was just over it. And I was like, okay. And it was always like, I'm going to do these things, but you can't tell anybody I'm like this. And that was really something that bugged me like to my core because I don't like keeping secrets. I don't like lying. I'm certainly not going to lie for somebody else. That's on you decision you make. But Mm -hmm. that was really hard just being like, okay. And everyone else in the office was afraid of them and kind of walked around on eggshells, things like that. But to the higher ups, they were amazing. So she was amazing. She did things perfectly. And that was really hard for me because I felt like, wow, no one else is seeing that I'm being treated like terribly every single day. Um, So what's an example of, so she's throwing her computer across the desk because of Excel (laughs) training, not because of you. What's an example where she is treating you terribly? He, yeah, she, so, they. Yeah, they. I was trying. I didn't do a very good job. Um, I kind of. I'm kind of glad it's a she because every other story I've had on here is all he's. It's all men. That oh. is okay. Like, well, there so, you go. Yeah, I. That was one of the things that I was like. It's not just men that underestimate women. It's you know. It's kind of. Oh a, yeah, it's other women who underestimate others. Oh, there's a number of stories. Um she would get mad if I just didn't ask for help. She would get mad when I would do something she asked too quickly. So if I would accomplish a task faster than she would expect, it would somehow drive her so crazy that she wouldn't talk to me the rest of the day. And I didn't understand the premise behind this because I was simply doing what I was asked and doing it exactly how I was asked. Like she was so particular with how she wanted things. So I went through in depth to make sure it was exactly how she expected it to come back. And she was like, you just work too fast and I don't appreciate it. And I did not see that as a negative in any capacity, but she always did. It always came across poorly. Sounds like some insecurities that she may have had. Maybe you just had a more capability at accomplishing things quicker than she did. Yeah, I think that was part of it. And if I would ever try to suggest a faster way to do something, it was always brushed under the rug, but someone else would come in and then suggest the exact same thing. And it was somehow some great new idea and accomplishment to do something faster. And I was like, I just really don't think that you like who I am as a person. Like I was just belittled for that a lot. And there was an instance where we went to go pick up a cake for a party that was happening and the cake did not come out well 
Like it was not what she was expecting. Um, I won't go into detail there, but it was just bad. And so she ended up cursing out the baker and like full on explosion of things. And I was like, okay, well, that was interesting. And they agreed to fix everything. They were going to get the cake to the party on time. We get back in the car and she's like, I just want to address the elephant in the room. And I was like, what, what are we talking about? Like, I'm very confused. I was so blindsided by this entire conversation. She's like, I just feel like you're going to go back to the office and just talk about me and like, tell them I'm a terrible person and tell them that I blew up at this person and that like, I'm all these things. And I said, no, honestly, that never really crossed my mind. Like, I don't necessarily agree with how you reacted to that person because it was simply a mistake and, you know, they're going to fix it and resolve it. But I wasn't, nothing in my heart or mind was telling me, let me go back and tell them how this person's done all these crazy things. And we got into the parking garage coming back from that same instance. And she was like, well, I just feel like you're not, you're not doing what you say you believe in. Like she, she kept going on and was trying to skirt around how, like how to talk about faith without like really talking about faith. But she essentially, she essentially was like, well, I don't believe you're being a Christian. Like I'm a Christian and I don't do the things that you're doing. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry. I really don't know where you're coming from with that because the way that you just acted wasn't very kind, but I'm not here telling you that because of those actions that I'm somehow better than you or that you're somehow, you know, like a better Christian than me, vice versa. Like I never crossed my mind, but thank you for telling me that I can't be a believer or a Christian or that my faith is somehow wrong because I view things. What stemmed that, that conversation? Like what did she? Idea, but I think she just thought I was constantly like out to get her. There's definitely, like you said, did she think you were just talking about her all the time in the office or something? I guess so. There was one instance where she called me at like four o'clock in the morning on my work phone and it woke me up and I had told another person in the office that, and she was like, I don't think it's like you're talking about me. And I said, no, I really just said that I was feeling tired. The person asked me how I was doing. I said, oh, I'm tired. So-and-so woke me up this morning and she came over and was like livid that I talked about that. And I clearly just stated a fact, like that other person vouched for me and said, I'm sorry, literally all she said was, hey, she's tired that the phone woke her up, which was true. Like, there's nothing more I can say there besides you did call me. I have it on my phone logged that my phone, you know, did go off at 4.45 in the morning and whatever. And so I think that just stems further insecurity and just built on that insecurity more and more. But she didn't want it getting around that she was really just treating you and abusing you as an employee, yeah. like calling an employee at 4 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> Unless well, you're like the CEO or the software engineer that's like going to fix a major bug, you shouldn't no, be getting and calls at 4 a.m. would call and text me all the time. Like even if I take the day off or take, you know, the weekend to go on vacation or something, like I would get calls and texts for things that were very unnecessary for me to respond to. So I wouldn't respond to them because I I'm not on the clock. I, you're already not paying me enough to even be there all the time. So like, I'm not going to continue. And when I'm uh, there, you don't utilize me for no, my skill set. Exactly. You utilize me to unload <laughs> the dishwasher. Bugged me the most was that I would literally sit there all day and do nothing of value. And as someone who wants to help people, like I just wanted to be doing something that was actually helping somebody. Like, yes, me unloading the dishwasher might help someone with like convenience for a minute, but beyond that, like, what am I actually doing? And I remember she sat me down one day and was like, 
you know, you need to have more joy. Like if I was here scrubbing toilets, I would do it the best of my ability, no matter what. And I was like, actually, I'm doing everything in my power to do this job well, but you're not giving me any freedom to do anything. And some of the people in the office found out that I was a photographer and had asked for photography help. So I had set up a time um, to like teach them some photography things, teach them some editing things. I had put everything on everybody's calendar, making sure that she knew where I was. She came in and interrupted ballistic that I wasn't doing my quote work when I literally had nothing to do. I had set this up. I had asked her permission. She had said that was such a great idea. You should totally go for that and still storms in, in the middle of it. And it's like she would forget that things were happening or that her emergency is somehow greater than my plan now. And, oh, it just drove me bonkers. I, it just was an environment where I wasn't giving, given any kind of trust or responsibility in any capacity. And I don't know, it was just a hard job definitely to start into the workforce in because it really just set me off for a, I don't want to ever have to be under it like this to get yeah. somewhere. Like otherwise I'm and all the people who were above me in the positions that I could see myself in, that was eight, nine years down the road. And I was like, that's not something I'm willing to wait for. I mm -hmm. don't love working in this environment enough to do something along those lines, nor do I think that I will ever be able to get there from this position. I completely understand that mentality. Um I think there's a lot of people, you know, growing up, it's always been drilled into all of our heads that you need a college degree to be successful in life. But then as soon as our generation gets out of college, <laughs> then we're met, well, at least my, I personally came out with a ton of student debt, um, and then had to start at that 35, 40 K job. Yeah. Do Literally, you can't even pay rent in a big city and live on normal, like get some yeah. groceries. When I started in my career, I lived in student living with three other people that was like a potluck situation because I moved to Austin before Steven did and didn't yeah. know anyone here. Um, and so then I just had to, I knew I wanted to be here. I knew this is where I wanted to live. So I moved here. I was going to figure everything else out once I got here. Then got my job um, in media and still wasn't paying a lot. It was yeah. literally 35, I think my first year. So I, I lived in student living for two and a half, almost three years. And I had a new, like a new round of roommates every six months. Oh my God. Some I got along with, some I did not. Some yeah. sold pot out of my apartment. <laughs> lovely. Well, cause they were like, you know, 19 year olds still or 18 year olds in college yeah. and uh, they would party till 2 AM on a weeknight. And I'm like, I'm. <laughs> I need to go to work at six o'clock in the morning. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, it was, oh, that was miserable. I was so exhausted all the time because I couldn't sleep and then yeah. I had to get up and work and I was doing the daily grind, um, cause it was a sales job. So I was doing the grind of cold calling and trying and that's to exhausting. Cause you're being told no 90% of the day. Like, yeah. It's so the point is, is it's really hard to, I think, come out of school and have to start like you worked so hard and you did so many things to develop your skill set and then yeah. start in a position that's not really taking advantage of that skill set and having to and then also living in a way that you're just 
it's, it's tough whenever you're first starting out making 35 K already in the hole. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's terrible. It's a terrible feeling. I feel like you just, and nobody really explained that to you coming out of college. Like they're like, you're so excited. You go into like adulthood now. Well, that's because those generate, like, so my aunt who put herself through school, just like I did, was able to pay for herself through school because it was more affordable whenever she was doing it. I worked 40 to 60 hours a week and went to school full time. Yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, you just go to school. Like, no, I was already doing my job and going to school before I left. Right. So I felt like I was wasting my time even more so because I'm like, well, at least all my hours of the day when I was in school were actually being useful or used for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. When I first moved to Austin, my apartment I lived up north was infested with rats. And so within like a week period, I had left my relationship, moved into a rat infested apartment, moved out and started this new job. And so it was like, okay well, maybe I should just leave Austin because I don't know if this is what, what, you know, what's right for me. But I was like, no, I'm going to stick it out. Maybe Austin is a great city Then I just haven't got to explore yet. And maybe this job will be great. And so one thing after another, I still was like, what the heck am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, it's uh Steven and I didn't start dating right away because I thought I was going to move because I was just so over it. Like we were friends for almost eight months before we started dating. And he was like, well, I don't want to date if you're going to move to a different state and like, or a different city in a few months. And, but that's good though. Cause then, uh, you guys started it out slow. I feel like that's uh, oh, yeah. one yeah, of the best definitely. ways. Like a foundation of friendship under our relationship, which I appreciate. Yeah. I was going to say something that, um, your, your boss did mention. I understand where she's coming from whenever take joy. Like if I had this opportunity and I knew it was going to lead me somewhere, I'd take joy in scrubbing the toilets. Yeah. I understand where she's coming from there. And then, but I don't know. It's just cause I guess, um, it's, it's looking at the opportunity you have to grow, but of then course. also taking that <laughs> and then going into everything else, the way that she treated you and just never give it, I think the stifling of never being able to try something new or contribute more than what was outside of your role, outside of, like, how is scrubbing the toilets going to be able to prove that you can do all these other things, that you're more of an asset to her team? And I think that was a miss on her part. And I totally agree with what she's saying. I think in every job and every opportunity, if you don't give it your full all effort and you you know like even if you're in a job that you're not happy with there is an outlook that you can have that's saying you know like this can get me to where I want to be and no I may be you know dissatisfied for maybe six months to a year but maybe after that point I'll have enough experience and I tried to wait as long as I could because I was like okay after maybe eight to ten months I will be able to apply to other jobs to show that I have some form of experience in this general realm of things and move forward. And so I do want to give it my all. And I do want other people, you know, to see that as well, not just her, because maybe she would never fully see it. But maybe other people around the office might or might pick up on something of that nature. And I tried, I gave it my valiant effort at that point. It was when I I had kind of mentioned some things to my parents, but nothing, you know, like, oh, I'm miserable or anything. I didn't want to complain with my situation. I was in a good spot overall, but 
she started, we had lunch provided at the office. So you could have free lunch every single day. It was wonderful. They were healthy meals. Um, I loved it because I was literally living off of bread and eggs at that point. So like, this is great, free food. Um, but she would ask- Taking about, it home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really though, on Fridays they would have extras and I'd be like, yep, I will be freezing these. Thank you very much. Oh, I did the same thing at uh, the iHeart Media. <laughs> like, yeah. I brought home every every leftovers because that's what I had to do. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I needed food. I needed something. Um, but yeah, she started asking me to go out to lunch and I'd be like, oh, well, maybe, I mean, sure. And I couldn't say no. So I would go out to lunch with her and whoever else she would bring. She, you know, people would come in from other offices out of, out of town and she'd want to go, you know, spend time with them and eat with them. And so we would go and I would pick the smallest thing on the menu. You know, I'd get the appetizer for $7 or whatever. And then she would make us split the bill. And she would get whatever she wanted with the extra blah, 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 salmon for $25 no consideration that no and she wouldn't even offer to put it on the corporate card or anything like that it was just oh we're gonna me and you are gonna split it's like no actually i my bill is 728 and yours is 25 for me making thirty-five thousand a year that's very different um it was just at that point that i was like, okay this person really has doesn't have any real understanding of what i'm going through at the moment and constantly talking about designer this or I don't need to work but I work because I want to and Mm -hmm. I have enough money to do this and I live over here and my car is this and we're gonna go on this vacation and do this and I was like okay that's wonderful I'm so glad that you've gotten to that point in your life very out of touch then (laughs) yeah and just just interesting I don't know I don't know I think it was a lot of deep-seated insecurities on her end that were kind of fueling where she was coming from, like she felt like she needed to prove herself because she didn't need to work that like, Oh, I'm worth getting paid to work or, mm-hmm. you know, that people do. I think she just really wanted to be needed. And when I would do things that didn't necessarily need her, it would drive her bonkers. Like, you know, like I didn't need her help to accomplish the task that she gave me. So she would go and redo it because somehow she needed to do it better. And I don't know, there's something there that i never quite understood um, and some of the things that led me to leave, I just said enough, I'm over it. Like, I honestly can't afford this job because you're spending $25 once a week to go out to lunch and I can't afford that. I can't imagine we had, once I was at iHeart for a while, I was doing significantly better <laughs> and uh, built up my account list. But I, so once I was doing well, I couldn't imagine we had um, sales assistants and if they did come on lunches with us, I couldn't imagine being like, oh, let's split. Cause I would, you know, once I was doing well, get yeah. whatever I want. Like she exactly. was, I couldn't imagine going, okay, let's split your, your app. Like half the time, if they went on lunches with us, like I would end up buying their lunch. Exactly. Because That's they what... helped me. And I know that they're making a fraction of what I'm making. That's what my dad said. He was like, that's what through my parents are like, you need to quit. This lady doesn't care about you for anything. And my dad was like, I thought, you know, maybe you were just struggling with adjusting to things, but this is ridiculous. But he was talking about how like he would always, you know, the person onboarding is probably making, like you said, a fraction of what you are. 
they're overwhelmed, they're stressed out, they're just already in a position of constantly being like in the weeds and trying to, you know, make up for whatever they're doing. And of course you pay for their lunch, especially if you invite them out to it. Like, come on. Right. <laughs> I, I, um, I do that with my clients now. If I invite them to coffee, I'm going to pay for the coffee. Like right. you're coming out of your way to be with me. And that's just, I don't know, business practice. I don't yeah, I think that's exactly what that is. I think also it hits on a good point that when you're starting out, if you don't have an advocate for you, as in a manager or a higher up, if you don't have that advocate for you in your career, it is very hard to progress in your career. And I think yeah. that goes in every industry and in any position, any role. If you don't have somebody that's watching you and going, oh, this girl or this guy knows what they're doing, they're worth more than what we have them doing, we should give them extra responsibilities, then it's never going to happen. You kind of need to find Move other on. opportunities. <laughs> I mean, I totally agree. I think that's kind of how even getting a job these days is, is if you don't have someone to speak about you or speak for you in their corporation or in their company. Finding a job just by applying is really hard these days. Like you need totally an intro. You need a voice. You need someone to advocate for you because you're not going to be able to do it on your own. You need those just connections and that network. It's so funny because when I was younger, I don't think I, I, you always heard that it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I never really believed it. I had a strong foundation in my work ethic and like, no, if you can do it, I can do it better. Like that's yep. just the, my personality. And I can show you, let me show you, let me prove it to you. But I, I think now in my experience um, working in my career after college, it's, it's certainly shown to be true that it really does matter. Whenever I was trying to get into a marketing role with a brand, could never get my foot in the door um, unless I wanted to peel back to like that 35K job. Yeah. No, I can't live like that anymore. Sorry. No. No, I already did that. I did it for like, whenever you start out of college with debt and you're making less money at your career job than what you made waiting tables, there's a problem. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I could, I made more money waiting tables in college station than I did at my first, my first year and my first career job. Yeah. I mean, that's, I was going to school and working, you know, I was doing photography and I was working at other jobs too. I can make $12,000 in a month doing photography things if it was a busy season. Like that, what, no, then I make only double that to do my corporate job for a whole year. Like, I'm sorry. No, that doesn't yeah. work. Right. <laughs> sorry. So what are some of the things, what was your thought process? What are actions you took to help you overcome this frustrating situation? <laughs> Yeah. trying to kick off your career straight out of college? Well, it was probably like five or six months in and I was like, okay, I'm going to start looking, just seeing what other opportunities I have available to me. So when I would get home from work, definitely would start looking for what's next and kind of really trying to get into a mindset of, okay, I am grateful for this job. It has given me an in, it has given me an opportunity to grow and to learn about myself and to learn about working in a company and seeing what I really want. Um, it definitely helped me to realize that I want, wanted like something smaller. I wanted something to where it was more of like a mom and pop type environment where you were valued for who you are as a person. Um, so I started working more, mainly on my mindset. So I would spend 
every walk with my dog after work was listening to some kind of podcast on either entrepreneurship or something faith-based or just like personal development, anything I could to help build my mindset up of like, okay, if we're going to make a transition out of this job, I don't want to carry the negativity I have of this job and this career or corporate world altogether into the next. Um, so definitely started taking action steps more on a personal level. It was all about working on myself, made sure I was getting enough exercise and sleep and making sure that my mindset was right. From a photography standpoint to kind of break into the next step for me, I just started putting myself out there a little bit more. I started offering free sessions in the Austin area, just kind of get random people plugged in. Um, my photography business all throughout high school, or I guess some of high school, but mainly college was focused on mainly senior portraits and some kind of like senior, like couples photos and things like that. I had only done a number of weddings, but definitely wanted to break into that industry more. So I knew I needed to have some like foundation and give that some due diligence of I need to build up some couples. So I started putting myself out there a lot more on social media, asking for, you know, free shoots or offering things like that, just to build that up. And I think that was hard for me personally going from, wow, I'm making a ton of money shooting, you know, senior photos like every single day, but I no longer have that network. I no longer have that community of people to kind of rally around and I need to kind of start from square one again. Like I maybe have the understanding of the technical skills behind things, but definitely didn't have a ton of experience in that field so as I was trying to kind of make an exit strategy um, it was more of personal development and just kind of seeing if I could make photography work more as a part-time full-time career. Um, as you were doing that did you find that you how did that impact your work at this we'll say corporate job or whatever this other company do you think you were less stressed at the job because you were doing things that you loved in your free time. Did you, how did you mentally yeah. frame that? I think I started to have like, I think there was an underlying hope like, Oh, maybe I can get out of this. Maybe I can transition into something I actually do enjoy all of the time. So I think that did give me more just the ability to like push through the day to day. So I wasn't quite as just, I wasn't miserable at my job, but I definitely wasn't enjoying it. Um, so definitely helped with that. And I think honestly, just working on myself and my mindset helped overall because I was able just to see like, okay, I can do anything that I set my mind to. And it's all about my framework of how I'm positioning that. Um, I definitely think I did just start to enjoy having a hobby and having an outlet and not just going home and being like, okay, I'm going to go to bed at 6 p.m. because I have nothing else to do. And oh, I don't know anybody. For four hours town. to decompress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I guess I'll watch this Netflix show forever. Um, I definitely could see that I was like enjoying that. And that's also about the time I met Steven. So that was like also an outlet was just having a companion to go and decompress with and to share my day-to-day -day craziness of whatever my boss decided to do that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think I've been pretty lucky. I mean, there's certain, I, I've had pr um, some amazing bosses, certainly sometimes, like I think everyone has situations where they don't agree, but I think I've had really great leaders and mentors. Yeah. So I've lucked out in that way. <laughs> I think it was hard because I had gone from having great bosses in college 
to someone who just didn't care about me as a human being to some degree. I mean, that's how it felt anyway, out of that and just being kind of thrown into that, especially when I felt like all the other um, (laughs) managers and executives at the company were just the most caring, compassionate people. And it's like, why do I get this one? Like, (laughs) why does everybody else have a great experience? And I'm over here like, okay. Um, And even two of the people who work at my old job live in our apartment complex now. And so I see them and they have both left because they said things just shifted and changed. And I was like, okay, maybe it was like an overall company thing. I don't know, but I just felt like I got stuck with the the bad egg. (laughs) I think that's one of the benefits of having your own company. Um, I I think everywhere, anywhere you go, there's certainly going, like, if it's not your own company, you're not making those decisions. You're not even in the realm of being yeah. considered in a lot of decisions. And so a lot of times that impacts your happiness there. And I think the fact that you took the time to find a hobby and start doing some personal self-growth probably help to balance that a little bit more. What were some of the podcasts that you listened to? Do you have any favorites in case anybody listening wants to yeah, check them out? At that time I listened to a lot of Jenna Kutcher, who is an entrepreneur and she was a photographer at the time, or I guess not at the time. She had already kind of phased out of photography. Sorry, my dog is whining. One second. Aspen. Um, but yeah, the podcasts I listened to were mainly Jenna Kutcher's because that was entrepreneurship based. Um, and she was a photographer and kind of phased out into entrepreneurship. So she had a lot of advice on kind of tips and tricks on how to make a foundation before you leave your job. And I didn't quite follow that to the T. I just kind of said, screw it. I'm going to take the leap and go for it. Um, but hers, I'm trying to think. I listened to a lot of faith-based ones as well. And then, you know, I, I saw a post that you made the other day talking about how, talking about your faith. And I really loved it. It's sad to hear that you may have been chastised or lost followers because you presented oh, yeah. your faith in a way. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Yeah. So I decided well, my faith has kind of ebbed and flowed over the years, I guess. Um, I think that's pretty frequent for most people. Yeah. <laughs> we um, are human. <laughs> so I went to a Baptist college. I went to Baylor. So there was kind of an underlying foundation of faith and everything. It wasn't really too outspoken in most things. But if you talked about God openly, no one really questioned it or really you know, like said much about it. It was just something that people talked about. And it was like an expectation, a norm. Yeah. And it wasn't anything that I didn't feel like preached down my throat or anything of that nature. I know some people have had experiences like that with certain faiths and backgrounds. And I never felt that at all. And all the people that I met just, we talked about it or we didn't. And that was it. Um, I was in a relationship at the time that was very toxic and I didn't quite realize it until I was further on out of things. Um, but I had essentially been told what I needed to believe for three years and was told that if I didn't do things this way, I was wrong and that I was sinful and that what I was doing was bad and that me as a person was essentially bad, that everything that was me was wrong. Um, and so coming out of that relationship and out of that really toxic environment and just emotionally I guess, religiously, like abusive environment, I started to really like lose who I was. I had lost who I was in that relationship and I didn't really know 
who that person was and what I had believed in at that point. Cause I had just been told for three years of my life, this is what you need to believe. And if you don't, you're wrong. And so if you don't believe this, like we no longer will accept you as a person. And so I was like, Oh, okay, well then I'll believe that. Cause everyone wants to be accepted and you know especially that age I think middle school through college you're still trying to figure out who you are like learn how to make decisions on your own and yeah you just want to fit in at some point right right? (laughs) I'll believe that and so once I got out of that I really had to do a lot of self-discovery and so that was about the time I was also like quitting my job and trying to figure all that kind of stuff out starting the job quitting the job all that And so after I kind of figured out who I was and who I believed in, I have made this like pact to myself that that's who I am and that's a part of me. And no, I'm not going to shove my beliefs down someone else's throat. It's not going to be something that I'm going to be like, you're wrong, I'm right, because I've been in that position and I don't believe that. I don't believe that we need to be like so legalistic is what it's called legalism is where if you don't do like something like this you're just wrong it's just bad and I think that takes all the grace out of a religious faith-based relationship and that's what I believe in I believe in grace and I believe in love and that's what I lead my life on and so after kind of figuring out who I was again I made this pact to myself for the last like two years that I'm not going to hide that person. I'm not going to hide what I believe in. And so I started sharing more about it on social media and sharing like from a loving grace perspective of, Hey, this is what I believe in. And it's okay if you believe something different. I'm not, I don't judge you for it. I don't hate you for it. None of that. I don't believe that that's what the Bible tells us to believe to do. Um, so I have noticed that the more I share, the more kind of kickback I get and the more followers I lose. Um, Have you had anyone comment on some of your posts negatively or has it just been like direct messaging? Someone might question something or say, well, you did this, but you posted this. Um, And so it's more of a judgment on action or like, hey, you posted a picture in a crop top and you say you're a Christian. It's like, okay, well, can you tell me where... (laughs) Yeah. Just tell me where you're coming from. I just want to hear you out. Like I, I, maybe I am doing something wrong that I don't know, or I didn't see, or I can't see, or I'm being blindsided by because of culture or whatever the situation is. Like, I just want to know where someone else is coming from. But at the same time, all I've been sharing is like preaching grace and love and not judgment. And then the messages I get are judgment and not that. So I just think it's, it's interesting. It's definitely a complex situation to talk about religion openly. I think some of those comments are exactly what gives, I think, authentic Christians or just any religion, like um, any religious belief, a a bad rap. 100%. A 100%. I agree because that's all you see. You see the hate and you see the judgment. And if you've been burned in the past by one individual, it just takes one person to taint your view of a whole collective. And for me, I've seen that happen and I've had it happen to me. Like I've had that hatred and judgment mindset of you're doing everything wrong preached on me for a good part of my life. And literally I would get into disagreements with my ex all the time because what I was reading in the Bible and what they were telling me was wrong or doing was so opposite. And I just couldn't wrap my head around how you were getting something so different out of the same thing that I was reading. Um, I, I feel like I can pick out a true Christian or a true 
it doesn't, I think religion is the same across the board. I, it doesn't yeah. matter if you're Christian or Hindu or Buddhist or whatever. I think the religions that I have knowledge, a basis of knowledge of, have that same foundation of just treat others the way you want to be treated. Be good. Be all a good people. person. Be a nice person. Yeah. And that's all that matters. And that's kind of, we'll say that that's the religion I follow is I just want to be a good person. And I don't have any other answers outside of that. Um, but I do think it's like for you, I think you are an amazing person and what should be reflected as a Christian versus mm -hmm. one of those persons like commenting at you or direct messaging you saying a crop top is sinning. <laughs> That's, I just, I lived in that light for so long. Like I lived in the, your shirt doesn't fully cover your behind. So you need to go put on a longer shirt or being I certainly did too. <laughs> yeah, I was told I couldn't cut my hair by the person that I thought loved me. I was told I couldn't do this or that. And Essentially, when you're told everything you do is wrong, why would you want to associate with those people? Like, why would you want to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian when they tell me my entire life is wrong? Like, no, that's not the point. <laughs> when they cast, I, I see people casting judgment on others that were slightly different. And I think yeah. that was the biggest thing for me is we can learn a lot from each other and you completely eliminate that. If all you're doing is casting judgment and you eliminate any chance of learning or growing as a person. Um, we have no idea where anybody is coming from as far as like, maybe that person's actions were even out of character for them that day, or maybe I don't know. They just believe so opposite of you and they were just doing what they believed in. Okay. So be it. Did it hurt you? Did it harm you? Did it destroy right. your life? No. Did it maybe affect you for 30 seconds? Sure. But if it's not harming other people, if it's not like completely degrading someone, like you said, casting judgment on someone in a way that's just like, so not listening to someone. So be it. Let that person live their life and you live their, yours. Just show them some compassion. Like, I don't really understand why people, there's some people out there that just care about everyone else and what everyone else is doing and are so concerned. And it's like, what are you doing with your own life? What? I know, really. Focus on you. I got time for that. Sorry, but <laughs> I wish I had more time in the day to care about what you were doing. I mean, like, as long as you're not, like I said, hurting somebody, sure, keep doing what you're doing. I think this whole pandemic has really brought a lot of that to light too, is everyone seems to want to say that the other person beside them is not doing social distancing correctly or not being safe or whatever. There's going to be people that you don't agree with and that's okay. Like, don't go hang around them. If you're, if you're doing one thing and you don't, cool. Yeah. You'll see them whenever it's safe. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's one thing that social media has taught me is the more I share about myself and my personal life, the more backlash I'm going to get for sure. Or the more people who just simply want to share their opinion, not because it was asked for, not because it's needed, but just so they can let you know that what you're doing, they don't agree with. And that's something I still don't fully understand, but I have come to terms with more and more because I get a lot of those messages of, oh, well, you use this brand, you should use this brand type of thing. Like, this one's better. It's like, yeah, this one works for me. Thank you. Like, cool. I was taking a mindset class um, not too long ago, and the instructor was like, you can say, thank you, that's enough. And that can be your answer. Of, 
thank you. That's enough. I appreciate what you have to say, but I'm going to keep doing me. Um, I can't, I think that's also, it's a struggle that I haven't been faced with um, yet in anything that I'm doing. Maybe it is sometimes. Um, it's knowing when to take suggestions or take advice and when to go, nope, I've got my system. I need, this is what I'm doing. Uh, I think a lot of times I personally want to consider everything because I I want to grow and I want to become better, but at some point it's overload. Oh yeah. You can have a hundred different ways to do the same thing. If this one works for you, keep doing it. Like it's all you can do. Right. It's, it's crazy. So I'd be interested to see if you actually, so you've lost a few followers since you've started speaking out more about your faith. I'd be interested to see if you start gaining more as well. Yeah. I'm curious because I, as much as I lose followers, I still gain, maybe not equally. Um, but I have, and I do get messages almost every single time I post about my faith. I have someone saying, thank you. I appreciate that you share this aspect of your life online or that you're open and honest about the way that people treat you with some things or every single time it's met with a boost of encouragement at the same time. So it's something enough that you get the encouragement. You're like, Oh, I'm going to keep sharing because all I care about is that maybe I can help that one person who's been maybe in my same shoes or is going through the same thing and just needed someone to reach out and be like, Hey, I hear you. I see you. That's all that I want to do when it comes to social media is be true to who I am so that maybe that one or two people can be helped in that way. Um, I, Obviously, when you're sharing your opinion about something, it can be met with a lot of backlash just because I feel like social media gives everybody this idea that they can then combat every opinion you've ever shared because theirs is somehow different because they can hide behind the screen to tell you that. Um, So that's something that I feel like we're definitely going to have to face more and more and more now that we're socially distant and things like that. Like we get extra a boost of ego when we're behind a screen to say like, oh, I know better than this. I'm just going to type up my response here and prove my point when you would never say something like that to someone in person. Like, uh, but yeah, so as much as I get some, some hate, there's definitely a lot of love at the same capacity. I think that's important too. I think you sharing your story is, I don't forget that there's certainly people out there that needs to hear it. And that there's certainly people out there that's probably in the same boat as you or, has the same beliefs and same ideas as you that I think a lot of times the bad is louder than some of the good. For sure. And I know a lot of people who, you know, have a bigger following or whatever, they're like, Oh, I just, you just start to ignore people. And yeah, there'll be that one or two person that like one or two people that get under your skin in a way that you just can't possibly, you know, let go. But over time you just grow thicker skin to be yourself. And I think running my own business, I have definitely learned to grow some thicker skin and just like accept that, hey, people might not like my photography style. People may be offended that I do something this way or people may hate that my pricing is this thing. And hey, that is what it is. You'll find your right crowd. Those aren't your people. (laughs) Okay, if you don't like my style, please do not hire me because that is what you're going to get in your photos and you will not be happy. The right. only thing I want is for you to pick the person that works for you. And if you think that's me, wonderful, then let's go for it. But if you don't, then please don't come at me in six months from now after you have your photos and you're like, oh, I don't like them. We were expecting this. When all you've seen in my portfolio is the opposite of that. 
I've heard stories of that where people just try to make it work and like, no, this is a two-way street. I want to serve you fully. So please allow me to do that by like having the right expectations going into it. Do you have that conversation on your first meeting with them? So usually I've asked if they've kind of gone through galleries and things like that. And, you know, they have a full understanding of my style and make sure that we fit on a personal level. So in my consults, it's always kind of a feeling of do our personalities mesh just as much as did you hire me for myself? Because I've had people call me for different businesses. I had a woman call me for a Sarah E that's in Dallas. And I don't even know how she found my website because (laughs) nothing related or how she got my phone number, but she was expecting something totally different. And so I always just make sure we're on the same page, but yeah, it's, it is kind of a a fielding. Like if they have the same mentality and mindset, then I know it's going to be a good fit because I know that what they value, it's the same thing that I value. So what advice would you give somebody that is just starting out, either starting out at their first job out of college, maybe they're starting becoming an entrepreneur themselves and starting that leg out, maybe they're starting a photography business. What, in your years of working as your own boss and your years as um, working for a job that you hated, what is the one thing you learned from that and what would you advise somebody that might be going through that now? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of hard, but I, (laughs) there's so many things. Um, I would definitely say for starting out your first job in college, that it's going to be different than you expect and harder than you expect. And that's okay. Um, But that I think as long as you're continuing to work on yourself as a person, no matter where you go from there, you'll be successful. So whether that job that you started out after college is that foot in the door for your dream job 10 years from now, or it's like me and it just kind of throws you off the rails. So this is not what I want to do anymore to continue to work on yourself throughout the entire process, because that's the one thing that you can control. And there's going to be a lot of factors when you go into the bottom of the totem pole situation that you can't control 95% of what you're doing or what you're asked to do. So control what you can and that's yourself and continuing to work on yourself when it comes to entrepreneurship um it's really just hang on tight because it's going to be an interesting ride and there's going to be a lot of highs and lows but find those people that truly support you you're going to have a lot of negative talkers and naysayers like what the heck are you trying to do um that's photography is an art you're not going to make any money you're going to have even family members who are like okay, good luck, have fun. Or I'll see you when you need to apply. Like I'll write you a rec when you need to apply for a new corporate job later because you're going to need to go back to that type of thing. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) it's really just hang on tight because if you have the right people around you who are constantly encouraging you, like my now fiance was always there saying, no, no, you can do it. He was constantly saying that he saw the value in me and he saw the value in what I was doing and he was supporting and uplifting me in a way that I didn't even see it myself. You know, when you're in the thick of building your own business and things, you're just constantly questioning everything you're doing because you're on page one and you're seeing people, you know, who are five, six, seven years into their business. You're like, why am I not doing what they're doing? And you're in month one. And I think it can be very quickly overwhelming and discouraging. So my biggest advice for just starting your own business or being an entrepreneur is just hang on because it's going to take time and it deserves time because yeah, you might 
have that one instant success person who had something go viral or something and their business just took off. But 95% of the time, that's not true. You don't see the hours of work that go behind the scenes. And I know even my dad tells me today, I didn't know your job was so much behind the computer. I'm like, yeah. All what I do you think editing is? <laughs> I just sit on the computer literally all day long and do work and blogging and SEO and everything is like on you. And I think that's also overwhelming when you're starting your own business is you are your own boss. You are your own planner. You are the SEO person. You are the social media person. You're everything in one. And it can get overwhelming when you think of all the things you have to do or when you think of all the things that you're not doing that you still need to be doing or that you are doing and you're still getting overwhelmed. I think for me, quitting my job gave me the time to apply to my business. And so I don't think I was giving it enough time. And once I gave it the time it deserved, it actually was able to grow. I think we live in such an instant gratification society. It's so easy to think, oh, if Amazon can come in two days, I can build a business in two weeks or I can be successful at this or I can learn anything on YouTube so I'll be good at it in a month. Yeah, that may work for some people, but for others it really won't. And it, I'm a slow learner. Like I do love in learning new things and always growing, but it takes a lot of practice for me to do anything. And so for my business, it definitely took a lot of time to just give it time to grow and to flourish. Yeah, I think... Uh one of the things that I pulled from that from you was coming out of college, I expected going into a career, whether entrepreneurship or um, just corporate America, that I, I've made it awesome. I put myself through school. I'm in this big girl job now. I don't have to study and work. I can yeah. just work. I've made it. And then realizing once I started, oh, this is this is not <laughs> not what I was hoping for, not yeah. what I was expecting. Yeah. And realizing now that it, it really is just, it's a journey. It's a never ending journey. You're constantly adapting and changing and finding out new things. Like now that I've started this project, I'm juggling the idea, like how can I turn this into a business yeah. and um, make an income off of it so I can quit my job? <laughs> is that That's a possibility? All the time. It's like, okay, well, how can I turn this into a new business so that way I can do less of this and more of that and all those kind of things. It's constantly evolving. And I mean, I'm not 10 years into photography yet or anything by those means, but definitely have changed my mindset over the last three years of how I run my business and what I want to do and what I want from it and how I want it to work for me. Because now that I work for myself, I can make those decisions. And I think I've always kind of had that entrepreneur mindset since I was young and like I would sell cakes at school or do this or do that. Or I ran, you know, I ran the yearbook for years. And so I was constantly in like a kind of leadership role. And so I think going, like you said, to the bottom of, Oh, I've made it. Oh, just kidding. I haven't really made it. I'm at the bottom again with like a gut rushing experience for me, but that's okay. But you I learn think, a lot though. You learn a lot oh, yeah. at those, those <laughs> bottom of the totem pole roles. Anything else. You just learn about who you are as a person. I think even that can apply to starting your own business. Like you're kind of at the bottom again because you're having to learn everything and work from the ground up to build it. And so it's kind of overwhelming 
when you might see someone who has a six-figure podcast and you're like, what the heck? How do you do that? How do you get these awesome people on there? And, you know, it's just building something up and. Yeah. All right. So two more things. First, can you think of a time that you've underestimated someone? I, I was thinking on this one because I feel like I have definitely underestimated people in my life. I don't know if I can think of a specific instance, but I think when, before I had my own business, when I would see other people maybe chasing their dreams or taking like a gap year after college or something and like, oh, I'm doing everything right because I went to high school and I made my way through college and now I have this, you know, whatever corporate job. I think you just underestimate that other people are doing something differently than you and that's okay. I think they're not following the roadmap that was laid out for them. Mm -hmm. And I think in those instances, I definitely either, I just like undervalued that they were on a different track than me. And um, I I think that's kind of the rule follower in me. Like I'm always, Oh, I'll just do all this perfectly type of thing. Um, But I think my mindset does mindset definitely shifted when I became an entrepreneur and started my own business because I realized they don't need any more skeptics. They don't need any more people telling them that they can't do what their dream is, or they can't go take a year to travel the world, or you can't start your own business, or you can't start a side hobby that maybe will become your business. Or just because you may understand something, like maybe I understood photography and I definitely definitely hate to admit underestimate some people who start their photography businesses. I'm like, Oh, and then I have to remind myself, I was just there, you know, 10 years ago. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a long time, but I was definitely there too. And they still need to learn. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm still learning myself, but they don't need any more people to tell them they can't do it or to be a skeptic. They just need you to cheer them on. And you giving someone else props for their success does nothing to your success. You cheering someone else on affects your success zero because you're still going to be successful and they're still going to be successful. You just encourage them instead of discouraging them. And I get messages all the time. How should I start my own business? How should I do this? How should I do that? My only answer is practice and keep at it and keep figuring out what works for you because stop copying everybody else. You're not going to be them. That's not you. You have to do your own thing. You have to learn your own way. This is what I did. This is what worked for me. Might not work for you, but the last thing they need is someone telling them, Oh, I don't know if you can make it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, th- we don't need any more underestimating in the world. Cause you really don't know what someone's facing or maybe that person meets the right person at the right time and something takes off for them. Great for them. Cheer them on. They don't need any more skeptics. Right. You keep doing you and let other people do them and we'll all be successful in a different capacity. All right. So one of my favorite things to do in this podcast is brainstorm a little bit about how Ruthie can embody you in one of her stories. Um, So I don't, okay, let's see here. I think for me, a lot of the underlying kind of growth that I had in this time was self-worth related and just like knowing that you're worthy. Um, So let's think of Ruthie doing some kind of project. Maybe she is just practicing with her camera. There you go. Taking goofy photos. Maybe she's taking photos of leaves and outdoors or something and really off the wall stuff. And um 
kids see her just maybe she's this character that's always around with her camera and kids are just that like all the time like, <laughs> they would be like why do you have your camera or they'd be like okay take pictures of me i'm ready I'm like okay <laughs> once they see that you're really good at what you do <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah sure i'll be in your picture right um so maybe she's just always everywhere with her camera and has this dream of maybe she's doing um something for class fair or what is it called um you know where you get blue ribbons and stuff for science oh, projects i know what you're talking about yeah you get the idea so maybe she's working on this project and kids see her going around and taking pictures of unanimous objects and they think she's really weird for doing it and then at the end she wins the the fair but she spent yeah. you know significant more time taking pictures of the perfect leaf because she was learning how to take a picture of a leaf or something. I would definitely, I had a film camera. I took film classes in high school and I had a digital camera at the time. So I would go take my digital camera, take all the pictures I wanted, find the perfect settings and then apply them to my film camera. So I wouldn't screw up the film camera. So I would be out there for hours like, okay, we're going to get this right. I would have my mom go take me to the park and take pictures of me doing weird things. Like I bought old wedding dresses and would go try them on. And I had all these ideas that were so strange, I'm sure. Like I went into the lake with my wedding dress on and had my mom take pictures of me like floating. And like people probably thought I was the strangest person ever. But to me, it was just a creative process and it was fun and I enjoyed it. And I didn't really care what people thought. Definitely there were times where I was like, oh, yep, I'm the weird one. Cool. That's a great feeling, but whatever. Um, but yeah, definitely something along the lines of getting some kind of looks or questions of what is she doing? Why would she ever do that? I like that. I can just see Ruthie like hanging upside down on a tree and people are yeah. like with her camera and like doing weird angles. <laughs> definitely I, weird gonna... I would be laying on the ground or looking at the sky or like you said, hanging off a tree. Like right. I think that'll be super fun with illustration too. Like, yeah. the, the, this is the part where I'm like, okay, what does that look like in the illustration? Because that's really the I important part. I can see something like she's jumping on a trampoline and has the camera on the ground or something. Yeah. So she jumps off and gets like a mid-air type photo because that's like, the I would do things to get that angle or get that perspective and just I could try and envision it as like a little kid, you know, like, okay, I'd be jumping off the swings or the monkey bars and like setting the timer up and bringing my tripod around. I always had this, like I had this little red pouch, like crossbody bag that I had my camera in that I would like carry around everywhere with me. Not yep, that, that's going to make an appearance. I think <laughs> <laughs> Ruthie carrying a red it was a red, like, crossbody little thing. I don't know why I had it, but it was the one that worked for that camera, so I carried it everywhere. <laughs> it worked. I would be oh, using that... flashlights on our glass table to, like, make reflections, because I thought that was the coolest thing ever, was, like, just reflection pictures, and they weren't cool. They were literally, like, candy reflected on to the other side of the glass but I was like this is so cool Did everybody see this and you know my brother who is older than me would be like that's weird Sarah I'm like no that's not cool I'm like oh okay cool love you too the more I think back to when I was younger I was certainly very odd oh yeah oh super I never, odd. never quite fit into any 
any group. Me too. I, I mentioned this before. I always uh, was pretty quiet in school. So if somebody wants to see your photos, I know we've already mentioned it, but what's your social handles again? And then if they want to reach out to you because they love your photos, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So my Instagram handle is Sarah, S-A-R-A-H underscore E underscore photo. And then if you like what you see on there, or if you dig, want to dig in more, my website is sarahephoto.com. No underscores there, but that's the best place to reach me. I have a contact form. It walks you through the steps of kind of what my process is. It explains more about what I value in photography. Like you mentioned at the beginning, like those in-between moments are what you love to see. And that's really what I gravitate towards is capturing those and really trying to just tell a story out of the people who are in the photos. And when it comes to wedding days, like every single person at a wedding is an important piece of your story. And so making sure that everyone is represented in some way is super important to me. I just had a, a past client post, like this was the last photo I have with my grandfather and it just made me cry because it was a photo I took of a random moment, but it was super special. And like one of my couple's favorite photos is their grandma seeing a photo of her late husband at the wedding and she didn't know it was going to be there. And so her face is just pure shock and joy that, oh my gosh, my husband's here too. And those little moments are what make it worthwhile for me to just be a photographer in general is telling those stories. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have a ton of things on your plate. Um, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Underestimated Stories for Women. If you enjoy my podcast, please follow me on iTunes, Spotify, or Clips so you can hear my next story. This podcast is sponsored by Clips. Discover podcast highlights of your favorite shows at www.clip.ps.